in the heat of the moment in that exchange, I confessed the masseuse issue. And Finn and Emma, I thought my marriage was done in that moment. Because, you know, stupid, we have this kind con- we have conversations like this when we're in public. So we're in this like mall, um, you know, food court. This is not a place you want to be having a hot and heavy, you know, relationship conversation. And so he gets up, tosses his stuff in the garbage, and he just walks away. He doesn't even say goodbye to me. And in that moment, I thought, wow, that's really all it took. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 170. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an incredible conversation with Linda, and we wanted to thank her for coming on the show and just being extremely vulnerable with us. Yeah, as you probably could tell from the little blurb at the beginning, this one is a little bit intense. Um and it's it is a difficult conversation. Yeah. And so as Emma said, thank you, Linda, for coming on and sharing um everything that you do. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh consent at the beginning of this one because normally when somebody comes on who's married or partnered um and they're talking about a dynamic that includes them and their partner. They usually, or in most cases, or all cases that we've had on the show, have gotten consent from those partners to be on the show. In this case, that is not true. Um, but what we did before we did this, we talked with Linda about how to approach this in a way that the story was told, or she was telling the story about her and her experience and where she was coming from and why sort of she did the things that she did. And so... Right. It, it was important for us to get the story out there and also to respect the privacy of her husband, who, um, as she talks about, doesn't know most of the things that, that she talks about in here. So this is, again, a, a fantastic conversation and a look behind the scenes of, honestly, like what happens when a fidelity, an infidelity happens, when, right. when, when things kind of break down and how it's not always as black and white as it seems. And so, again... It's not an easy conversation, and we know it was really difficult for for Linda to do this. And so we just wanted to say thank you, and thank yeah, you to thank e- you, and thank you to everybody for listening. And I would say, please listen till the end. Um, it's it's easy to get part of the story and make a judgment, but I think listening to the end is important in this. I case. would agree with that. It, the whole thing is powerful. So a couple other quick things about this one. Um, normally, when we interview people, we take out a lot of the pauses and breaks. Um, I know we mentioned this on The Power of Witness. We didn't do this uh, for this episode uh, because leaving those in really kind of... (laughs) Helped demonstrate the the emotion behind her story. Right. And if I had taken them all out, it would have been much easier for people to feel like she had no care in the world about what she was doing. And that is clearly not the case. So 
I left a lot of the the pauses and breaks in there. And so I just wanted to make that clear. And I also wanted to make it clear that all of the names that get used in this interview are not people's real names. And that was important for for her to do and for us to make clear to everybody that, um, again, because most of the people or all of the people who are in this have not given their consent to be here. So um, she talks fairly rarely about other people in specific. But when she does, those names are not their real names. Right. Yeah, she, it's her story from her point of view. Right. And so, again, I think that's all the disclaimers on that one. Thank you again, Linda, uh, for being here and for sharing your story with the world. Um, it's powerful and it means a lot to us that you reached out to us to help get it out there. Yeah, and that you're willing to come do and have a really difficult conversation. Yeah. First up, a couple quick announcements as we usually do. Um, our next virtual meet and greet is Thursday, March 18th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern. If you haven't joined a meet and greet before, they're awesome. They're open to anyone. We basically get everyone in a big Zoom room and do some icebreaker questions. And then we use breakout rooms to give you a talking point and get to meet a bunch of people. And you're in the rooms for a few minutes and then you come back and shuffle the rooms and go meet other people. Um, they're $10 to join. If you want to sign up, go to our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the meet and greet tab. We'd love to have you join us. These are so much fun. And thank you to everyone who has joined in the past. Yeah, we broke a record last month. We did. We had, we had over like over almost 40. 45 people. Yeah. So thank you to all of the awesome people who were there um, and made it a blast for us. Yes. The other announcements are, of course, thank you so much to our Patreon group. Um, we have a wonderful community over on Patreon, and we'll talk more about it in the outro, but we just wanted to throw some quick dates out there. Um, the first is the uh, next virtual, wow, not virtual meet and greet. I already did that. We already did that one. The next Q&A is March 24th. We do monthly Q&As, two of them, one in Pacific time and one in Eastern time. So... These are done on Zoom yes. and everybody gets together and it's really just sort of a, a time for the community to come together and support each other, talk about anything going on in their lives that they might need help or support with. Yes. And then we also have women's calls and men's group calls. The women's call is tonight, March 3rd. If you miss it, we'll have another one in April. Don't worry. And the men's call is March 23rd. And if you want to join either of those um, or Patreon in general, we'd love to have you join us. The, you can go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button to join. A quick note on the men's and women's groups. Uh, we know these aren't the best names. We yes. They're a little bit exclusion, exclusionary, <laughs> exclusive. That is not the intent. We have actually had uh, people, uh, non-binary people join the women's group and mm-hmm. felt really welcomed. Uh, they sent us a really wonderful email afterwards saying that they just loved it. And so we're working on a rebrand for the names. Be patient with us. These groups are inclusive. Everybody in there is supportive and open-minded. So if you're looking for a community or a support system, uh, the Patreon group is really good. Uh, the Q&As are amazing, and the men's and women's groups have been fantastic. Yeah, we also have a MeWe chat group, too, for everyone. This is a chat platform that everyone enjoying, and uh, that's a super supportive community as well. So please come join us. And thank you again to the 150-plus people who are part of the group. It is, without a doubt, the best part and our favorite part of this show. Yes. So thank 100%. you. And I think that's it. That's pretty much it. We would love to hear from anybody and everybody. Um, if you want to reach out to us, send us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Or perhaps you want to come on the show. Uh, you can send us an email. Head over to normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Contact Us button at the top. And you can either send us a voicemail or an email. And we respond to all of them. We do. 
please reach out and let's go talk to Linda. Welcome, Linda, to the show. We're super excited that you are here, and we're excited to learn a little bit more about you. We know a little bit, but not very much. So Yeah, one of us kept asking questions during the, the prep talk, and I <laughs> had to shut my mouth. So uh, we're excited. Yeah, as Emma said, we're excited to have you. Do you mind introducing yourself for the listeners, please? Sure. Um, my name is Linda, and I grew up in uh, the Midwest, I actually was born in Hawaii, and my parents cruelly took me away from there when I was only six months old. (laughs) Um, But I grew up uh, in a pretty conservative household, Catholic family, church every Sunday, you know, regular confessions about all the terrible things I did to my sisters and whatnot. No, actually, I was pretty good. (laughs) And, uh, And so growing up, I think that the way I envisioned my adult life going was by the time I was, you know, 25, I'd have three kids, a dog, a husband, I would be a stay at home mom. And that I was excited about that, you know, cause that's when you're growing up, that's just, you know, you get, you get your Barbie dolls and you, you start playing, you know, house with them. You're like, Oh, look at, look at how wonderful this will be. And, you know, you just, that's kind of, I, I didn't imagine anything more for myself. I did, however, know I wanted to go to college. And um, for whatever reason, uh, this, by the way, I'm in my early 50s now. So this was happening, I was growing up in the 70s. I'm a 70s child, an 80s older child slash adult. So that kind of thing was still very much, you know, everyone... If, if you were a certain sex, you had a certain role that you envisioned yourself being in and you didn't really question it. That's, that's life. This, this is where I'm headed. How great, how wonderful. So, um, you know, high school hit and I had one of those dads who people joked about have, you know, waiting at the door with a shotgun. (laughs) Now he did have a shotgun, but he didn't, he, he never brandished it. (laughs) Um, he actually did own one, but figuratively speaking, um, I can remember freshman year in high school, I dated a guy that I knew in band. Um, I was a freshman and he was a senior. Now, mind you, he was a minister's son. I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but at the time I thought it did. And, And he was very much a gentleman, but my dad was old school. He was like, I didn't know he was a senior. You know what he's thinking. You should just stay away from him. You know, and I'm like, dad, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's perfectly fine, nice guy. And then one day my dad catches me on the phone with him. This is like after picking me up from a football game where we had played marching band. And this guy was, this guy's name was Eric, had his arm around me. And my dad had just been furious about that. I'm like, what? It was cold. He would, he was just keeping me warm, you know? (laughs) The next week, I'm on the phone with him, and my dad, because, okay, we're back in the 70s, no, this would be the early 80s, the phone was attached to a spiral wire attached to a unit attached to the wall, okay? Yes, yes. So, and then my my dad picks up the other line, because he's sneaky that way. So, he ends up coming down, ripping the phone out of my hands, and proceeding to dress this guy down, like... (laughs) 
you know, what do you think you're doing? My daughter's a freshman. And, you know, I know, happen to know you're a senior. What do you think you're doing? You know, go, walking around with her and dating her. And it's like, we hadn't even gone on a date. We just hung out and banned. It was like the most innocent, lame thing ever. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, he broke up with me on the bus that next Monday. <laughs> and for the rest of my high school life, I think the word got out. You know how the word gets out in smaller towns? Yeah, you were a pariah uh, now. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, like, oh, did you hear about Linda's, uh, uh, you know, dad? And oh my gosh, like, he's the worst. And and then the second mistake I made was apparently I dated an older guy who, a junior who was just sort of like a social pariah. And when you're a freshman, you're like, I don't know, he's cute, you know, whatever. <laughs> so between those two things, I had people come up to me, were you dating this guy? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, so? And he's like, Okay, never mind. So I, I was pretty much like single for most of the rest of my high school career. Uh, fast forward into my college career, I was, I was ready. You know, it's like I was away from my parents finally. Uh, I had always been kind of that quiet person who hit the books, and you know, I didn't have a ton of friends. But I've, I've always been actually a really outgoing person. Um, but when you grow up with sort of that nerdy, you know, persona in school, people just, they just put you over there and you don't get a whole lot of socialization because you're the class nerd. Yeah. So, uh, college was kind of my coming out party. Um, I met a lot of great people. Um, some of them are still friends of mine to this day. And that is when I first started having sex was in college and I happened to lose my virginity to someone from my own high school who I happened to bump into on campus who happened to be going to the same college. And it was underwhelming, but that is when I realized that all of the terrible things I had learned about how awful sex was were just absolutely not true. And I really loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after kind of going through this moment where I sort of pulled back it, th so this is weird. Not only did I lose my virginity to somebody from my hometown, I also confessed that I lost my virginity to a priest from my hometown who happened to move to the same campus and become a campus priest, like around the same time that I went to that school. Is is, is that weird or what? <laughs> so you so hold on. That's what happened. So you lost your virginity to a priest. No, no, no. no. Oh. She confessed <laughs> it. She confessed it to a priest. Oh, she confessed it? I was like, oh, wow, that's a hell of a story. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Finn, you're making my life sound way more crazy. My version was way I more exotic. Was. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, I went, should we just go with that storyline instead? <laughs> right. I don't know. I didn't know. Like, I, I was like, damn, you, you got with the priest. Okay. No, no I, didn't okay. That, I didn't get that crazy, okay? Um, so you were you were still in the phase of confessing your sins. I, I and was after, so yeah. I, I had I lost my virginity to this person that I knew. He was like a, a grade or so higher than me. So he had already been at this uh, university for a couple of years. I show up, we see each other because he was a band geek too. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. starting to see the band connection. <laughs> and um, so anyway, that was like a six-month relationship. But then I felt guilty about it because that's what us Catholics do. We feel guilty. And so then I had to go confess it because that's also what we do. You know, you go and you sit in this dark room and you talk about, you know, how terrible you've been. And so then you get the little prayer set over you. You're, you've been absolved to go see 10 Hail Marys. 
Um, but the thing that was hard for me was I was the, the priest I was confessing to was, it was a guy who was from the church I had grown up in. I gotcha. That makes a lot so, more sense than my version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't make it all that clear. Apparently that was hilarious. <laughs> I was following. All right. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So, so you're, so, so you're rolling through college and you've discovered that all the lies you were told about sex were lies. Yes. So, you know, after I went through this phase where I had sort of pulled back and felt bad about it, because the priest was from my hometown, I had even more Catholic guilt than you could imagine that I would normally have if it were just some dude, because they're all dudes, who, you know, I'd never seen before and it was only going to see maybe here and there at, at one of the masses on campus. So... Um, I just stopped going to church because I couldn't face him after going through that. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then after a while, my attitude became, you know what? F that. I don't even care if I don't go to church anymore. My parents aren't going to know because, you know, they're not here watching over me anymore. Thank God. So I decided to put my faith aside and go with sex instead. It seemed like a better religion to me. It was a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. No, I know that. It makes a lot um, of sense. <laughs> obviously, I didn't see sex as religion. I'm being a little goofy. But from there, uh, let's just say I like, I jumped off the cliff and I kept on free falling. I was like, you know, whoever seems like a great enough option, I'm hopping in bed with this person. Let's let's do it. Let's have some fun. Um, there There were regrets. Don't get me wrong. It's funny because some of my friends, we ended up sharing some of the same guys. So that was a really weird experience too. I went from, I'm not going to get have sex until I'm married to, you know, comparing notes over, you know, a, a few different people that we ended up in this, you know, right. having in common. So yeah, college was definitely a coming out party for me. And at the time I thought to myself, well... Um, this is great. I don't necessarily feel bad about this. I'm not going to go to church because otherwise I will feel bad about it. And I'll just keep rolling and, you know, see how things go. So then time moves on. I, I did have some long-term relationships, um, in college. One in particular was like two and a half years, um, where I only had sex with that person. So I, I was still adhering to the sort of social norms of my day, which were never have sex with more than one person. And if you're going to date more than one person, only have be having sex with one person. But I wasn't even dating more than one person at the same time. It's just that when I had my down periods, when I was between relationships, then I, then I was mixing it up. I'm like, all right, who's out there? Oh, you over there. You're looking good. Let's, you know, so... <laughs> You're having fun. <laughs> um, I was I was being a total floozy and I was enjoying it. And yeah. and that's okay. I, I yeah. made my peace with that. No, yeah. no, so, yeah, you don't need to confess to us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I Yeah, put on the collar. I feel like I I was gonna to, say, well if I put on the collar, you're gonna right you're gonna try to have sex with me if you know I'm a priest. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a recurring joke. I, I know, I was gonna say it's gonna I, keep coming. I gotta up. let it go. I gotta let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. 
So um, uh, now I'm I'm graduated. I am living on my own. Super poor because I chose a field in graphic design. And if you know anything about that, you don't make a ton of money doing that. But it's fine, whatever. So um, I had a lot of relationships in my 20s. I still stuck with my I'm only dating, having sex with one person at a time. Um, but interestingly, I I call it my three-month rule. Like if the person I was with could get past that three-month hump, then maybe they were actual material. And I always felt like I was dating for marriage. Like I'm looking for that one special person that I can, you know, ride out life with. And, um, there were some, there were, you know, at least a good half of them where after three months I wouldn't be interested. And then there was maybe a good half of them, maybe a little bit less than that, where I'd be interested in them and they wouldn't be interested in me. So, you know, there was, that's where dating can suck. There would, there would be heartbreak or I would be the one having to, you know, let somebody down and that's never easy either. Now that I'm in my early fifties, looking back on, let's see, it wasn't until 33 that I met the person that I'm married to now. And all throughout my twenties, I just thought, well, you know, I, I had an inkling that maybe some of these men weren't staying with me because I didn't have any problem, you know, um, having sex the first, second date. That wasn't, it's like, Hey, if we're attracted and this is something we want to do, you know, why go through the dance? Let's, right. let's we don't have, have like let's a four in. date. Yeah. There's not like a four or five date rule that you put in place. Right. And, and I certainly wasn't the type of person who um, was going to wait until we were married. Um, my sister was. And so, you know, you can kind of see where, like, I'm moving this way from my family. Yeah. <laughs> These days were like opposite ends mm. of the universe. But at the time, I had an inkling that it was possibly because I was easy. That was the term. If you're easy, um, then a lot of men didn't see you as marriage material. And I got, I developed sort of this defensive posture about it. And I just thought, you know, if that's how someone is who I meet and I like, and we have sex and then suddenly they're not interested in me because, well, she's not marriage material. I better move on. You know what? I didn't want to be with that person anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely took me a while to start finding people either who were actually interested in marriage because there were a lot of men in the 90s who weren't, especially like the bigger the city was, the less interested I found, the fewer people I found were interested in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I moved to what I would say is a more conservative, large-ish town that I started running into men who seemed like they were serious, who were like, hey, you know, or you got anyone you're dating right now? Or, you know, they seem like they really were looking for someone long-term right? and didn't care if I had already had, you know, 20 partners or whatever. It's, it's funny. My uh, current husband and I had a joke. Um, I don't know if you ever got, you guys ever saw um, the movie clerks. It's been a while. In the movie clerks. 
Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, but yeah. So there's a scene where um, Dante, Dante's girlfriend, so he's the guy that works in the convenience store. His girlfriend shows up and she's hanging out and they make out for a while behind the counter and then they're just back there talking. And um, they start having this conversation about how many men she's had sex with. And she's like, well, you know, she's kind of nervous about, I don't know, why do you, why do you want to know this? And he's like, well, I just told you how many women I was with. And I think it was like four, you know, and, um, she's like, okay, fine. Well, 37. And he was like, what, what do you mean? 37? You know, he totally freaks out. Like he's almost starts hyperventilating. And, um, so my husband and I kind of had a moment like that. It wasn't, he didn't freak out nearly as much. But um, I think my number at the time was 35, so it was only two off <laughs> what hers was. So he just started joking that I'd been with 37, you know, just as sort of like a callback to that movie. I'm like, yeah, whatever, fine, you know. So I guess I look at that period of my life, pre- pre-marriage, as that was my first stint with non-monogamy. Because if you want to define monogamy as... Um, the way that I grew up understanding monogamy, monogamy is you have sex with one person ever your entire right. life. And, you know, to this day, my sister will probably tell you that she's only ever had sex with her husband. And I will never tell her how bad I feel for her about that. But um, so I kind of see that as my first, you know, time Round period one. where I was yeah. non-monogamous. I was shopping around and seeing what was out there and, you know, what I might be interested in. So then I got married. I had a wonderful son. Um, time went by and things. I So once you have a baby, uh, things just, you're just not interested. You know, sex is like the, the furthest thing from your mind. You know, you're trying to keep this little being who is, seems to be hungry and cranky 24 seven um, from, complete meltdown and you know you just figure like my job is keeping this little being alive and happy at least for most of its waking hours and then I get to have a little bit of time to eat sleep do laundry and maybe take a shower every once in a while somewhere in between there and oh yeah I have a full-time job and um my husband and I were stupid enough to also buy seven well at the time we didn't have seven but over the years we ended up with um seven uh, rental properties. So that was like a whole nother job that stuff we had to pay attention to and do. So, you know, you can imagine um, by the end of just about every day, we were both exhausted. And so it's, it's sort of a, it becomes a tough time. I think in a lot of couples lives when you start a family and that's something I really wanted to be was a mom. That was like, you know, I, as I got older and into my thirties, I just started telling guys up front, look, here's my deal. I want to be a mom. If you don't want to be a dad, that's fine. That is, that's great. We can be friends, but I'm just going to have to move on. Cause you know, baby clock's ticking. I don't have much more time. So sorry. You know? So, um, strangely the, my husband, the person I'm with now signed up for this because he, he really didn't think he wanted to be a dad. You know, and so I, I do hear this story a lot of men who were reluctant dads or just didn't think they wanted to do it, but they loved the woman enough that they were like, okay, they signed up for it. Um, and same case with him. He loves being a dad. He's 
totally switched around for him now. But, you know, our sex life absolutely stunk there for a while. And he was very understanding because he's like, you know, you just popped a bowling ball out of your hoo-ha. So it's fine. Totally get it. But then the years started going by and the my crazy libido that I used to have just still wasn't there. And so started asking more questions. Well, why isn't it still there? And I am such a workhorse and I'm such a giver and someone who's just willing to just like do whatever it takes to get shit done that I didn't realize how much I was running myself ragged. Mm -hmm. So that was one part of the equation that I can now say looking back was part of the problem. I mean, when you're exhausted all the time, you know, what do you expect, right? Yeah. You just can't like, Hey, now I'm ready to have two and a half hours of crazy sex. Let's go. It's like, you just, it's just not there. When you just want to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then after a while, I would say like, by the time our son was four or five years old now and things still aren't, you know, great uh, or back the way they were, I started to realize, you know, I don't think it's just all of that other stuff. I think also it's a little stale, you know, it's, it's you and me. Um, it's always just you and me, same old, same old stuff day in and day out. And I, I kind of, um, put an analogy to it and he probably didn't quite get it as well as he could have. Um, but I'm really into swing dancing. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that. Yep. We have. (laughs) Yeah. One of us even took dance lessons for our wedding. (laughs) One of us. Well, one of us didn't need them. One of us did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And, and can you reveal which one of you needed them and which one didn't? I needed them. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, you were a great sport. Yeah. And that's cool. That's cool. You're willing to do it. It's funny. A lot of times, usually that's how it goes with most couples. It's the man who needs a little bit more sort of building up and, you know, kind of getting the rhythm and the feet and everything. But, um, so I started dancing back in the heyday of the late nineties when, you know, the gap ads were coming out with people flying through the air. And, um, that's when I got into it and just loved it. And I've been doing it ever since. Um, and one thing that you learn pretty quickly when you get into that subculture is you don't need to bring a partner. It's not expected. What is expected is that over time you develop the ability to dance with lots of different people. And what you discover about that is that dancing with a lot of different people makes you a better dancer because, you know, one lead. So I, I'm a follower and we don't use, um, male and female guy, girl descriptions for dancers. Cause sometimes guys like to be the follows. Sometimes women like to be the leads, but you just end up learning, you know, some cool tricks from this lead. Um, this lead over here kind of does the same five moves every time, but now you've got those down really well. So, you know, there's always like, um, something new waiting around the corner to, to learn, to experience, you know, um, through dance. And, um, I've always said dance is kind of like a whole nother way to, to communicate with somebody because now you're communicating physically with another person and you're trying to listen to the rhythm of the music and be on the same beat and also communicate these things you want to do 
to kind of match what the song's doing. And it's just this amazing feeling when you get it right. So um, I was trying to explain to him at the time that all of these things were occurring to me. Um, you know, maybe we need to open up our relationship and uh, maybe what's needed here is just a little bit more variety, you know, for you and for me. And since he's an introvert and I'm an extrovert, for him, that just seemed like, oh, that's, I don't know, that seems like a lot of hassle and something I'm not really interested in, you know? So um, I started uh, doing some reading, good old research time, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a really oddball one that I don't think anyone has ever heard of, but this book happened to be on our bookshelf. It was a book that he had brought into the relationship and I had not heard of, but I saw it and I'm like, that's interesting. And it was done by um, Carl Sagan. Do you guys remember who <laughs> yeah. he was? So his wife and his, and his son, believe it or not, came out with this book called Mystery Dance. And it was about how uh, throughout the years of evolution, our everything that we embody, you know, that's stuck in our brains and everything else has been sort of um, inherited from all these different animals and, you know, beings and whatnot that we've evolved from. So some of our human habits can, can relate back to, you know, 10 million years ago, right? They had all these different um, things they talked about, but one of them was the sex angle. And um, that information in there was sort of a precursor to the book that came out later that everyone likes to talk about, which is Sex at Dawn, which I have mm -hmm. gotten through quite a bit of. Um, but so I read that and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. You know, um, maybe there's more to what I'm feeling than just that I'm a terrible wife and, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I can't get excited about this man that I, you know, pledged the rest of my life to, and you know, what's wrong with me. So, um, I would say maybe a year or two later, we moved into a new house and, um, I started studying to do a different, get into a different field. So there were some life changes happening and, in the middle of all that, I had a, an old high school um, prom date, believe it or not. Somebody that I knew through my church, but he had taken me out to junior prom. Um, reach out and say hello through Facebook. And, and so it, it just started out as a friendship on Facebook, but he was going through a divorce and he just was looking for someone to offload occasional frustrations on. And so, you know, I would listen, I'd, you know, mm -hmm. take in what was going on with him and give him feedback and whatever. That slowly led to my first, um, online, um, what would you call it? Online sex, I don't know, video sex experience. Uh, and I don't even remember where things were at with my married relationship at that point. But if you can imagine being married to someone for 10, 11, 12 years, um, being very financially intertwined with all of these, uh, you know, investment properties, uh, having a kid together, 
owning a house together. And I thought, well, I think that this, you know, having a little bit of extra spice in my life might actually spice up my marriage. So I don't think he would respond that way just from some of the conversations we've had. Admittedly, we weren't all that communicative as we should be. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to try this out and see where it goes. And if it works, um, great. Uh, I, I should, I just completely forgot about this, but there had been an incident before this old high school friend of mine reached out and we ended up sexting slash video, whatever. I don't, is there a word for that? I think the, the old fashioned yourself and you, you know, you, yeah. Yeah, I think, in the, the, I think you go with a cyber sex, right? Cyber, cyber sex? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll call it video sex. Let's just call it video yeah. sex. Zoom, so. Zoom sex. We'll throw a trademark on there. <laughs> Zexting. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. So um, multi-years before all that started happening, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Um, we used to go and have a little vacation up north, mm-hmm. as we say here in the Midwest. We go up north. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get some cabins, you eat some great food. There's some great restaurants in the Northwoods. Um, and, you know, you hike around, you fish, you, you hang out and play cards, whatever you want to do. And there was a masseuse that one of the women and I would go to and just get like a full body massage. Well, um, one year, one of the last years we went up there, I got a full body massage <laughs> you know what i'm saying i think we got it yeah, no, yeah. i think we i think we got it <laughs> proper emphasis on that yes you, you did, did. Yeah. And, and it was with my permission but i didn't tell my husband about it okay you're, you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of this i didn't tell my husband about it um i, I don't know if this is all goes back to my catholic shame and guilt and just feeling like you know i mistake right but well, I'm curious. So really quick, I'm just going to interrupt you. So you, part of your interest in doing the Facebook um, virtual sex was, it sounded like maybe this will inject some spark back into the marriage. Uh, it, yes. it didn't sound like it was, I want to get rid of my husband and and now, you know, be with the Facebook guy. It was, maybe this is the spark we need. Did you, did you feel or see any spark come back after your full body massage uh, a couple oh, of yeah. years before? I like I was ready to rock and roll with him, you know, and I felt like he was getting a benefit from it. He just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a year after um, I got a happy ending massage. That is an old cartoon reference, if you know it. <laughs> um, I think that was South Park, wasn't it? The happy ending massage? Oh, I don't know where it originated. I don't, I don't know where it originated right. either. So, so you had multiple right. multiple of them or just the just No, the no, one? no. Just the one, the one year. Okay. Um, fast forward a year from that, my husband and I were having an argument. Were we having an argument or a discussion about opening up the marriage? Because all this while, you know, I've been working on him with the idea Um, and he was very, very hesitant about it. So I decided to spill about the masseuse and hope that maybe that could 
give him proof because he remembered how like all of a sudden I got this burst of sexy and you know, it's like once we got home from that trip, it was, things were hot and heavy for a little while, but he didn't know why. I, I think I just said, I don't know. It's just, you know, like vacations are relaxing and you know, once you relaxed, you can actually have sex, which is true. It is. It is, it is a valid point. That wasn't a lie. Um, but it wasn't the entire truth, right? So um, in the heat of the moment in that exchange, I confessed the masseuse issue. And Finn and Emma, I thought my marriage was done in that moment. Because, you know, stupid, we have this kind con- we have conversations like this when we're in public. So we're in this like mall, um, you know, food court. This is not a place you want to be having a hot and heavy, you know, relationship conversation. And so he gets up, tosses his stuff in the garbage, and he just walks away. He doesn't even say goodbye to me. And in that moment, I thought, wow, that's really all it took. Okay, you know, and so then I just had to walk back to my job um, because we both worked in the same downtown area. So it was a nice situation. We could walk and meet up and stuff. Um. So that incident kind of informed some of my later not telling. Um, not a good idea, folks. I am not um, saying that anything that I've done as far as not sharing these things with my husband was the right thing to do. I'm just letting you know, this, these things can happen. You know, when you don't see yourself in these situations, somehow you can end up in them. Um, if you're not very good about just confrontation and being honest. And admittedly, I have not always been. So, um, unethical, non-monogamy, hashtag. <laughs> you hear it here first. Yeah. I'm admitting well, we, that was me. And we appreciate that, you know, the honesty and the vulnerability because, you know, again, like you said, you, you're not telling people this is the way you should do it, but this is the way that you have the situations you found yourself in for various reasons, right? Potentially your upbringing with religious background and all of the different, whatever influences Mm -hmm. you've had in your life have led you to this point. And so, I mean, again, thank you for, for sharing it with us. Um, and, and just one thing that you told us before we started recording was that when you got married, you thought you told us, you said, well, I thought I was the person who could get married and do monogamy, uh, for the rest of my life, it, you didn't, oh, yeah. you weren't getting married with the nefarious plan to also try to convince him to open your marriage. Um, it, it sounds like really the, you had the sex drive, you and him had the connection and the spark up until right around when you had your kid. And that was sort of like the beginning of this sort of downturn that snowballed. Yeah. And, you know, um, I've had time to think about it since then. And I can't even really blame um, my son for, <laughs> for sexist interrupt us because even before that, <laughs> things were starting to kind of cool off, you know? Right. Um, and I think that if my husband were here, he would admit that as well. Because um, mm-hmm. we have had discussions about that. It's kind of easy to look at having a child as sort of the big event yeah. where then things sort of went downhill from, but it was already starting to cool off because we, we gave it like a couple years, even though, um, 
you know, my biological clock was ticking. He wanted like at least a couple of years of us just being us before we became more of us. So right. that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, moving on from there, I, I really, at this point was going into the idea of non-monogamy with the thought that this was going to improve my marriage. Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw an opportunity, I wouldn't necessarily be telling my husband everything that was going on with me in my, you know, my vexting, <laughs> my, my video sexing that was happening with someone, uh, you know, halfway across the country, by the way, he was lived nowhere near me, which, which was helpful for um, not getting physical. <laughs> I, I really felt like it was improving my approach to sex and how I felt about it. it I felt more alive. I, I know you've heard this from other people who discovered it for the first time. And I, and I felt sexier um, because, wow, someone who isn't contractually obligated to tell me I look good in this dress or I look, you know, it's telling me I look good and thinks I'm sexy. That seemed like really exciting. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of helps improve your overall, you know, approach to sex and, and how you feel about it. And, and I feel like he was benefiting from that. But at the same time, I was trying to bring him along and in hopes that at some point he'd say, yeah, you know, let's just, let's just try it. Um, and so that did happen, but it was, um, very, it had had a lot of rules and, guys, and I know yeah, we hear this started, from, yeah, you had started exploring non-monogamy together at some point. Yes. That's a, yeah. Well, and, and so, I know, sorry to keep interrupting you. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> no, the, so did, so you had the Facebook incident. Did you ultimately, like it's how you said that your husband was benefiting from this and that it sounds like it created a little more spark. Did you ultimately share what was leading to that as part of your strategy of like getting to where you want to open or where he was willing to try exploring it? Yeah. So I didn't because whenever I'd bring up the subject, he still wasn't really interested. Um, and, and I felt at the time it's like, well, this is sort of just an online, you know, fun little thing that I'm doing with someone. It's, it's not, you know, I don't see him in person. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Right. So getting to the point where, um, my husband and I did decide to try it, um, leading up to that, I actually brought more partners on board because remember my analogy of swing dancing? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, it's not to say that things were getting stale, uh, video, with the Facebook sexing. guy. I still yeah. don't know how, what to say about that. Um, having <laughs> video fun with my friend halfway across the States. Um, but, you know, he had a life. Uh, he had kids that were still in school. And I wasn't getting enough from him. Because what I found with this effect for me is that it would only last a day or two. So right. <laughs> it, was, it became kind of like um, something that I needed... It's, it's kind of sounds like a drug addiction, doesn't it? But, um, it was that, that's just, you know, how my body reacted to it. And I was becoming a bit of a pest for him and I didn't want to be a pest. So I thought, well, maybe I can bring some other people on board so that, you know, I can have my 
fun online with this person and then I can leave him alone for a while. So I'm not constantly saying, Hey, what are you doing? Or, Hey, can you you know get online now? And I can bug some other people and then, you know, it'll be, um, everyone will be happy. So, and the web is woven even, even more complexly. So, um, I, a lot of the, uh, men that I hooked up with were ex-boyfriends. Now, um, did, there was really one, quick, did you, did you shift from virtual to in-person at this point? I was just going to say that. Okay. There was one that was, um, in person and he was someone who I was dating around the same time that I met my husband when I first moved to this area. And he was one of the guys that was interested in me as well. Um, but he already had a girlfriend and that situation was like starting to unravel, but the way he was handling it, I wasn't too impressed with. Um, he kept telling me, oh yeah, well we broke up and then I'd see them. So this was a swing dancer, someone that I met through swing dancing and they'd be out on the dance floor still together. And then I would go to talk to him and she would do these highly inappropriate things. Like literally she came out of nowhere one time and pushed me away from him all the way across the dance floor. Now, supposedly they're broken up and I'm just like, what the heck just happened here? You know, um, I thought you were broke up or something. And he's like, oh, well, you know, we're still kind of like, okay. Mm." Um, but super, super attracted to this guy. And so I would see him out over the years at swing dances and, um, we stayed in touch. So I would say after the initial online stuff that was happening, um, and still not making much headway with my husband, uh, I decided to take the next step and I started a, an affair with this person who inexplicably, because honestly, super hot dude, don't know why he never got married, um, was still a bachelor and quite often available. And, um, so he and I on occasion, when I had a spare two or three hours, we would get together and have some fun, have some playtime as everyone mm-hmm. likes to say. Yep. <laughs> um, and wow, that was pretty, that was some amazing stuff. I got to tell you. Um, and that certainly didn't hurt my libido either. So I would say, what would it be now? Three years ago. Um, I would say five or six years of developing a posse of men. One that I could see in person and the rest who were all online in various ways. Um, I ended up with five or six men that I had some kind of sexy times relationship with. And at this point it was still all covert. You had not opened Um, things up officially with your husband. All of them were, for the most part, except for one, because at some point, as I mentioned, I did manage to talk my husband into trying it out. And he 
was so not enthusiastic about the idea, but um, agreed that if it was somebody he knew and if he could be there, all right, and um, sort of, I don't know, watch slash join in, then he was okay with it. Um, so I said, okay, fine. So there was actually, um, a person who was a friend of his that he, he was married to someone who had a terrible health issue that basically precluded them from having sex. Um, felt really bad for her, but she just like physically, she just couldn't, you know, do it. And so he had had some other relationships on the side. So this guy, uh, was always letting my husband know how hot he thought I was. And, um, and, you know, my husband had been telling him about some of the conversations we've been having. So, um, he said, Hey, you know, if you ever want me to come over and help you out with that, you know, let me know I'm game. So we talked about it. Um, my husband was a little uncomfortable because, um, this friend of his wasn't going to tell his wife. And that's why I, I kind of, laughed a little bit before because there's a whole lot of not telling other uh spouses going on here um but anyway this kevin was smart enough to know at least he felt he was that if he told his wife his suitcases full of his clothes and everything would be thrown out onto the driveway and he would not be welcomed back to his house so you know he hadn't had those discussions he needed to have with his wife. I had encouraged him, but he just felt like I'd prefer to live <laughs> rather than tell her. I'm like, oh, all right, you know, that's your thing. Um, and for a couple years, nothing happened as far as us bringing Kevin in because my husband and I felt like um, we should, he should probably tell her and we shouldn't do something with him unless he does. And at some point I said, you know, um, he's already had relationships with other women outside his marriage and hasn't said anything. And at this point, I feel like it would be a nice thing to be for me to do for him, for us to do for him, because he just doesn't get a whole lot of playtime. You know, he doesn't get that, that release that, this is where I'm going to take a quick break and say that my view on sex for humans is um, that we all need food. We all need shelter. Um, we all need spiritual things in our lives. And one of those spiritual things in my mind is sex. And I feel like if someone is deprived from that through no follow their own circumstances that they're in. Um, but they're very much in need. Uh, I will reach out and offer to have, you know, some playtime with them or, you know, whatever it is they're looking for as a way to make sure that they're, they've still got that balance in their life and they're not missing that big piece of it. Um, so some of the people that I have within my own, I guess I'm going to call it a polycule, a digital polycule, 
mostly um, now. Some of them I'm not necessarily attracted to myself, but I feel that I am needed by them and they are a good friend of mine and I want to do something for them. So it's not just all about me. There's a huge, um, what would the word be when you want to do things for other people? Uh, like a, not, it's not a charity, but I was going to say gift, but, yeah, um, but we, I, we, there's I a word we, and I, I'm yeah, searching for it, I but know. I can't think of it right now. Yeah. So, so this is how I felt about his friend. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say I was attracted to him, but I was just like, you know, he can help us out because we're trying out this new thing that you're nervous about. We can help him out. Let's do it. So we made it happen finally. And it didn't go well for my husband because it it felt awkward for him. This was somebody that was, you know, a good pal of his and he said, you know, I felt like there wasn't any way for me to sort of slot into what was going on between you and Kevin. And I, and I had tried, I had tried, you know, like, Hey, let's try this. And, um, but I just don't think his heart was into it, honestly. And that to me, um, told me more, was more revealing for me than I think it was even for him. And it made me realize, you know, I just don't think this is his thing. And, um, that was very sad for me because it was really very much starting to feel like it was my thing. Right. And, um, so that was probably about three years ago now. And so, um, my husband and this other person continued to be friends, but I think for my husband, there's a little bit of awkwardness there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you never want there to be awkwardness in these situations. Right. And especially if you pick a friend, someone who you're going to see on and off fairly often, it's an unfortunate side effect of when you try these things out and they don't work out so well. Mm-hmm. So I think we tried one other time and, and it kind of similar results. But unfortunately, um, Kevin still had needs and he still thought I was hot. And I still had um, my own needs. So, um, he and I got together a couple more times without my husband knowing because I felt like I'm doing Kevin a solid. He needs this, you know, I need this, you know, I, my, my other guy that's in town, I haven't heard from him in a while. He ghosts me sometimes. It's like he, things happen and I don't hear from him for a while. It's like, fine, whatever. So, um, it, it's it's been a tangled web, for sure. Yeah. And, and it I, was a lot for me to try and keep track of. But at the same time, it gave me a lot, too. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it gave me a lot of sexual energy that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And, right. Um, right. My, my husband claims because at one point in our marriage, we had a disagreement over how much sex we were having. So I'm not kidding you. He started keeping a spreadsheet. (laughs) And once some of this um, came out, he only knows about, um, he doesn't know that Kevin and I saw each other a couple more times. Um, Sadly, Kevin has passed away. So he's out of the picture now. Um, 
But two years ago, I was caught with someone who is a little bit further afield from where I live, about an hour drive, also an ex-boyfriend. But that's what started our path towards uh, divorce. So we will be divorced sometime in 2021. Um, He only knows about the person that's an hour away and his sanctioned time um, with myself and Kevin, that he was there. Um, He doesn't know about all of my online activity. He doesn't know about um, um, the, some of the in-person time I've had with some people here in this area. So this has been admittedly difficult for me because um, I know how upset he got when I was caught two years ago with um, James is his name, someone that I knew from my 20s um, and had dated for a while. And I got to admit, by the time I was caught, I was feeling like I wanted to be caught. So I think I got a little messy with all my sneaking around. And we... James and I had been sort of communicating via email as to when I was going to be getting down there, where I was going to meet him. And because we all have shared computers here at my house, um, my husband had picked up my laptop and he had, for, for whatever reason, I had left it open on my email, at least that he claims, I think he was kind of, (laughs) We know all of each other's passwords, so I kind of think he was just diving in there, but whatever. So um, it's hard to get mad at this point, right? <laughs> I, I know. I, I was I was a perpetrator, so fine. So um, he found the emails and uh, saw what was going on. So when I had gotten down there, all of a sudden I started getting these super mean, nasty texts from him. And mentioning James. And he didn't, I don't even know if he knew who, I I was telling him I was going down to see James, but I had a different story for it. And then when he saw these emails, he knew what the real story was. So that's, that's how it went. Yeah. So, um, since then, we've talked about it and, you know, for him, the huge uh, hurt for all of this has been that, you know, I wasn't being honest. And, you know, why couldn't I be honest with him? And everything that I've explained to you, and I don't know that I explained it all that well, but everything I've explained to you up at this point, I explained to him, leaving out mm-hmm. all the other men on my list. But, um, just explaining to him the why behind it. And um, he he's much more dogmatic and traditional in um, how he views relationships. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, I, I apologized multiple times. I let him know. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, I should have been telling the truth to you about, you know, what was going on with James, um, previous time that we were together. Cause there, 
he and I had just gotten started and there was only like a couple of times we were together. And um, I said, you know, it's just what it came down to for me was I said I was doing it as much for myself as for our, uh, our, our sex life and feeling like it was improving it for me and therefore for you. And he said, well, I don't think that's true because I've got my spreadsheet here and what it shows is that, you know, it didn't ramp up after all that started. And I'm like, well, believe it or not, it does actually work for me. And I know that your spreadsheet isn't showing it that, but you know, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't change what's on the spreadsheet. <laughs> um, so that, that was difficult. I honestly, I'm surprised. And, and he's told me since then, he's surprised that he didn't just throw me out of the house that night because that's how angry he was. Um, I mean, legally he couldn't have done it, but you know, putting all that aside, um, that's how upset he was. So where I'm at now is we, we've talked about all of that to the point where we we understand that that whole incident was the catalyst, but it's not the reason we're getting divorced. The reason is much bigger than that. It involves a lot of, you know, relationship issues that we thought we were dealing with, but we weren't. And so, um, so non-monogamy is not necessarily to blame here, but it is what, finally made me realize um, I probably shouldn't still be in this relationship. <laughs> you know, um, there were, I had plenty of indications, but when you, when you get married and you're, you kind of come from this very um, traditional background, you know, very religious you just, you think to yourself, well, you know, I, this is the person that I said I was going to do this with. I, I made a promise. I have to keep it, you know, even if I'm not keeping it very well. And you just feel like, you know, there's probably other men out there, but they probably have flaws too. So I might as well just stick with this person and try to keep making it work and try to keep talking to him about opening things up and try to deal with all the others issues that we have. And, you know, at some point he and I had always promised ourselves when we first met, if our relationship, our relationship needs to be at least 51% good, 49% bad. If it ever flips to being at least 51% bad, 49% good, or even more bad and less good, um, then we have to call it quits. And so I was grateful for being caught because we finally started having that conversation and just sort of getting down to the real guts of, um, yeah, you know, this really, um, we've really had a lot more issues here than, than we've been wanting to deal with. So let's, let's admit that, this isn't working out anymore and let's start the ball rolling to, um, to move on. Right. And so, um, 
in, in some strange way, I think I actually have, um, my unethical non-monogamy to thank for finally waking me up to the notion that I didn't, I wasn't in a marriage that was going to last. Right. And that, and that the non-monogamy piece or the infidelities were just one of a list of other things that, um, that were happening. And it, and it was sort of, like you said, it wasn't the reason, but it was the one that sort of maybe broke the camel's back in a sense, star that broke the camel's back. I was, I was just curious, were you like looking back on it? Do you think you were hoping that by getting caught, he would maybe realize, oh, well, this has already been happening. We might as well try to do it, you know, in a way where we can communicate honestly about it. Um, if like, were you almost, I don't want to say like trying to force him into it by saying like, well, look, we're already doing it. So we can either stay together and keep doing it, or we can be apart and I'm going to keep doing it. So it was sort of like almost like an ultimatum in a sense. Um, no, it wasn't that at all. Um, how long have you two been together? 15 years. Wow, that's actually congratulations. That's quite a long time. Into we, in today's but, but, marriage time, you know. Yes. Sure. But we've also we've basically had an open relationship since roughly the first year or at least had the conversations about it. Yeah. 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 Uh not, not so, that that's the reason, but I thought it was relevant. <laughs> yeah, it's it so in other words, very different type of relationship from the one sure. that I've lived through. Yes. So yes, we'll we'll put that in there. Um, but the reason I ask that is because quite often, and I hear this from a lot of um, women I know who are in more conventional relationships, you get to a point where you really don't care. You are kind of, there's a lot of BS that you have to put up with in this current relationship that with everything else life throws at you, you're kind of getting tired of. And, um, at some point you just get to the point where you're like, whatever, if it's over, it's over. That'll probably be better for me anyway, because you start to see the writing on the wall, you know? Right. Right. So I think I was just to this, um, point where I just didn't care if we broke up. Right. I mean, clearly I still cared enough that I was trying to keep down the path I was on of trying to massage him into, you know, mentally massage him into like trying some more open relationship mm-hmm. stuff. Um, we were still going to see counselors on occasion for issues that in retrospect weren't getting fixed, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'd come to that point where I was like, you know what? I, who cares? I, I'm just like, there were so many days where I was getting so mad at him. I was like, I am so ready to be done with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you'll hear women joke about like, I have, I have a friend um, that I'm every once in a while still in touch with from high school. And she says of her husband, she said <laughs> once she said, he's lucky he's not buried out back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. of course she would never actually do that. Right. But you know, I mean, that's the level of frustration that you get sometimes in a long-term relationship 
once that three to five year new relationship window is over with and you've kind of settled into just the daily grind with this person, yeah. um, a lot of us do get to that point in yeah. our relationships. And that's yeah, where I, I was. That's, I think it's very common. Yeah. And I, I wanted to maybe just circle back to a couple of things that you had said actually before we started recording. And one of them was about the counseling um, that you had said that you two had been in counseling, you know, maybe not consistently, but at least on and off since before you were married. So that wasn't, you were working on yourselves and you were putting in effort, you know, the entirety of this relationship. And I, I think that's important because I, again, not to like condone or say the way you did it was right. I, you know, we're not here to necessarily judge that, but I think it's the, the thing you don't often get to see in these situations where there's an infidelity is under the hood of like, people just say like, oh, well, Linda cheated on her husband and that's why they are divorced. And there's that's like, the easy out. yeah, there's like so much more intricacy behind that. And, and there's so much more thought and care that goes into this. And it, you know, so you had been doing counseling together and, and probably individually for your entire marriage. And a lot of your mental state was, maybe this will bring that spark back to our marriage. Maybe this will help our marriage. Maybe this will help our marriage. And yeah, towards the end, you're like, okay, well, it's not going to help our marriage. It's clearly over. So I probably need to just get caught and be done here. Uh, But that wasn't your mentality the whole time. It wasn't just like, I just want to go have sex all the time. And I don't care what my husband thinks. It wasn't, it wasn't that. And I think what's important for people like, yeah, there's probably relationships and infidelities that happen like that, right? Where like, but this was very much a different story for a very, very long time of like trying to figure out who you were and who he was and how you could make that work together and trying to grow together. And so I just, I just wanted to highlight that. Um, and, and also that you had told us that like, there were a lot of, and we don't need to go into the whole thing, but there were a lot of wonderful things about your husband and there still are that are you know your goal is to be amicable and still keep a relationship with him moving forward that you're not just like i hate this guy i don't ever want to see him again i'm moving out and we're throwing this whole thing out with the you know with the bathwater. yeah it's clear that you care even like deeply even through all of this yeah that's absolutely right i uh <sighs> yeah i still get teary-eyed <laughs> Um, it's, you know, it's a big deal when you, when you pledge your life to somebody, it's a big Mm -hmm. deal. And whether it works out or not, um, there's still a lot that you like about the person and even though it's not in the cards for my husband and I, um, it's still going to very much be in the cards for us. And I've, I've made a point to him of this, that we're going to be, we're going to be co-parents of a really great, you know, 14 year old going on 21 year old. Um, and that's going to be our big job. So we still have to be able to be cohesive enough to do that right. And I think, I think we're up to the task. I think it's, I think it'll work out. I think there'll be a happy ending for that aspect. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, And ultimately, I think that there will be a happy ending for both of us because I think that um, our relationship was probably, as it was progressing, I think it was probably um, not good for either of us, you know? And I, I think probably as he has more time on his own to reflect, I think he'll probably agree with that. But right now we're still kind of in the, the thick of it and the, you know, the difficult part. And so, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, there's always gray area. It's never as black and white as you think it is when you're just the person on the outside sort of hearing about this happening to other people and judging. So that's definitely true. Yeah. yeah. When it gets back to that, we always bring up Dan Savage too, but like that every relationship just because it ends doesn't mean it was a complete failure. It's like, there's still so many beautiful things I'm sure in your relationship. Oh yeah, definitely. And I've, I've told him that I've told him, you know, um, in the past about how many ways I feel that I've grown as a person knowing him and how much I value that. And I will always value it. And he's funny. He, he has a really hard time with that stuff to him. I think things are more black and white. So for him, he just feels like, well, right now I just need you to be out of here or I need to be out of here so that I can sort of sort through all this. And I said, that's totally fine. I get that. I said, but please, you know, at least focus on our son and for his sake, understand that you and I are still going to have to work together, you know, for him. And so he gets that and, and he's been good about that. And I think, um, as time goes on, I'm hoping that he's going to become, uh, a better person too. Just like, I feel I've grown a lot through my mistakes and also through all of the positive things that we've had, um, throughout the years. Yeah. So that's how I'm looking at it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, we, again, we really appreciate you coming on Linda and, and, the. Uh, the vulnerability and sharing a very difficult story. And I think one other thing I wanted to maybe touch on was the, um, you know, his, his friend whose wife was not basically physically not able to have sex. And I think I, you know, that, that is a situation that is incredibly difficult. And again, not to condone what he did, right. His, his infidelities with her, but you know, there was, and again, I don't know this person, but there, my guess is there was a part of him that felt, well, this is something that I need. And by doing this, like I can keep the other 98% of our marriage good. And if, if, if what that, you know, what us having a wonderful marriage means is that there's this part of me that I hide or this thing that I do with somebody else, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that thing was sex, right? Like if it was like, well, she loves everything, but she hates playing Scrabble, and I just need to play Scrabble once a week. And you went and played Scrabble with somebody else, you'd be like, okay, well, that's fine. You go play Scrabble with them. But because the thing was sex, um, it's it's now a problem. And I think what's really mm. hard in that position is, again, I don't think he was this type of person who was like, well, I just need to go have sex with anybody who will have sex with me. It was like probably a lot of how do I sa- save my marriage and keep 
my wife and me and our family happy while also there's things that I need to feel fulfilled in my life. And that's a really, really hard place to be. So I, you know, I feel bad for both of them in that situation because it was neither of their fault. Yeah. Um, and Kevin and I used to, um, we, we kind of had that view on it and, um, he was a good confidant, um, because we were kind of on the same page there, you know, and we kind of understood each other on that level. So it's, it's sad that he, uh, that he is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, um, going forward, I am, uh, hoping to kind of hold on to the friendships I have. And, um, I, I've heard some of your other podcasts. There was, there were two women who were kind of making forays into the, uh, I think they called it, um, the companion mm-hmm. business, if you will. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that had actually been an idea that I've had bumping around for a while because I don't know if either of you two are into sci-fi. Not, not, not too much, not too but, much, but go not ahead. too much. <laughs> so there's this, um, really great, um, sci-fi series called Firefly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We've heard of it. We haven't watched right. it. <laughs> It was short-lived, unfortunately. It was so you heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was Joss Whedon's foray into sci-fi, um, and it only lasted for one or two seasons, um, not very long. And and then um, FX or whatever the channel was decided to drop it, and it's it's had a huge cult following since. Mm-hmm. But there was a um, there's a character in there called Inara. And she was sort of the love interest of the main lead guy. And she was a companion. This was the thing she did. And I almost wonder if that's where those two got the idea. But she was this, the idea of a companion in this futuristic world is that they are trained in the art of being a companion, but they're expected to live sort of on this higher level. So they need to have, a very high education. They need to be trained in self-defense and martial arts. They need to be able to discuss, you know, big political thoughts and ideas with the people at the highest levels and also be able to relate to people at the lowest levels. They were like these, like almost super um, human types of people, but they would go into training for this. And this was a viable, um, I don't know, Career. Career. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to call it that. So I found her to be a very interesting character. And I thought, this is really wonderful. If if we had more governments, first of all, um, in our own time, admitting that sex is a need and that um, people are going to have it and they're going to pay for it, whether it's legal or not, why can't we legalize it? And why can't we make it a an honored profession, something that is providing a need that people have that is, in my mind, a fundamental need for life, you know? Right. So that's kind of how I approach the friendships that I have now. Um, 
some of the people that I relate with uh, are people that I'm that I'm very attracted to and very much, you know, nurture some of my needs. And um, some of them I wouldn't necessarily um, be attracted to otherwise, but they're people that I've known for a long time that this is a very big need for them. And they've got a lot of things that aren't going well in their life otherwise. And I can help them. And by the way, none of these people are married. (laughs) Kevin was the only one that was. (laughs) I'm trying to stay away from that as much as possible. But anyway, Um, and so I can be there for them and I can help provide this aspect of life for them that they otherwise wouldn't get. Um, I think that's a wonderful thing to be able to do is to just not only have sex with people you're attracted with, but also to offer it to people who you like, who you otherwise won't be attracted with, but you like and you're close friends with, and you realize this is something they really need. They, they need to feel wanted and they need to feel like viable as something other than just a person getting through life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. something as like this person likes me and wants to be with me on another level. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah well, and too, that you're not, you're not just doing it as, you know, I said the word charity earlier, like you're not like having pity sex with them, but you do. No, you genuinely care. You care and you yeah. value them. And, you know, on some level you are attracted to them and it, maybe it's not strictly a physical thing, but, you're not just out there like, well, nobody else will do it for you, so I'll do it. It's 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 a it's a deeper thought than that. Right. These are people that I already like on a number mm-hmm. of other levels. And yeah. um and I feel that I can offer this to them as a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. It makes so that's kind of where I see things going. And and probably it sounds like and you kind of touch on this, also having, you know whether they're deeper or sexual relationships with people that you are also attracted to. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like the goal would then be probably to shift into the more ethical realm moving forward. So where you don't have to hide it. I'm, let me tell you. uh, And I, and I already told this to my husband once I got caught. So there were a lot of heated discussions, but I said, look, you're going to get the, you're going to get the whole nine yards here. You're going to get the full banana. You're going to get, I'm going to let you know what I'm doing, when, with who, because I just don't care anymore. (laughs) But in not caring, I do care because now you're going to get the full, the full truth. It's, it's really twisted, isn't it? But that's, that's what I told him. So yes, he's going to know what's going on. Um, and all of that, came down and all of that happened um four months before the pandemic hit so i was all excited to be like mrs telling the truth all the time and whether you like it or not here's what's happening at this moment and you know all that stuff and he was going to be feeling better that oh look i could tell the truth about things even though we're getting a divorce (laughs) And, um, and then the pandemic hit and nothing's happening. So, um, he actually had to ask me once this year, he's like, have there been things going on that you just haven't told me about? And I was like, 
look around. I've been here all the time. The only time I go out is for my job because I do have a job that's um, labeled essential here in my state. And, um, and then I come home. I, I'm the one that does all the grocery shopping, but you know, it's like, I'm not, no, what yeah. am I going to do? I, I don't want to get sick and then get you guys sick. It's, you know, it's, we all got to stay in. So. Yeah. 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 Be smart about I it. haven't had the opportunity to prove my new truthiness, <laughs> well, but I will, I will get that soon. I'm yes, sure. Yes. Soon. And I just wanted to say thank you to, I know Finn already said that, but thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and wanting to come share a difficult story. Um, we want to put out all sorts of stories on the show and we just, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible without people willing to do that. So thank you so much for showing up and sharing with us. Oh, you're very welcome. And I, I consider it a gift to you for all of the wonderful podcasts you've put out there that I've been able to listen to and relate to and sort of help sort my own thoughts out with. So thank you to you both as well. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, there inevitably is somebody out there who is in a very similar situation to you, at at least one, Um, be it male, female, non-binary, whatever. So there is a person out there who is in a similar situation. And Hopefully I think that's, <laughs> that's, you know, at least for them to know that they aren't alone or that they're kind of heard is, I think, really helpful. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Well, um, I am. So is this the part where I say um, where people can find me? If you would like if them to find like you. If you'd like to share that. So I am on um, Cassidy. Okay. As may midwest so you remember the old hollywood star may west yes i'm may midwest perfect well we will put a we'll put that in the show notes so people don't have to try to guess at it it's spelled basically the same way perfect (laughs) well thank you again for sharing and for being vulnerable with us and yeah it's a powerful story and we're really happy to get it out into the world for real so thank you all right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your You're day. You're welcome. Right. I will do that. I'm going to go shovel some more snow. <laughs> hey, you know, we don't have any here, and I'm okay with that. But enjoy. I, I know. You know, here's how I look at it. It's a good workout. I get lots of core exercise. There yes, you go. it is a good workout. I'm, I'm working the core. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Enjoy that, and um, thank you again. Have a great, have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye. And we're back. Thank you again, Linda, for reaching out to us and just being brave enough to come and have such a vulnerable conversation. We know it wasn't easy, and we feel like it's important to get stories like this out there as well. So yeah, thank you so much. Without a doubt, it is um, an honor that you shared the story with us. So thank yeah. you. We have uh, one thing that we wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about in quite a while, which is our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It's a website called stdcheck.com. There are links in the show notes and on our website on the resources tab uh, for a way for you to save $10 off of this service. And it's actually, they just cut the price from $199 to, I believe, $139. And now with the $10 off, it's $129. Anyway, for a $10 or for a $10... (laughs) a 10 test panel. Anyway, it's the service that we use. It's amazing. You go to like a LabCorp or Quest after signing up online. 
you basically, it's totally anonymous. You show up, you give them all the things they need, which are blood and pee. <laughs> and then yep. you get your you get your results in like 24 to 48 hours on your phone. And it's fantastic. We've been using it for years and we're super excited that they dropped the price and they're making it more accessible to everybody. So we stand behind this one. We love it. We use it. And if you're starting to go back out in the world, maybe you got vaccinated and you are got your little pod and you're growing it because everybody's vaccinated. Thank you um, for being safe out there. But take a look at STD check. It's fantastic. And it's a great way to get tested. Yes, it is. And the other quick thing we just wanted to circle back and mention in the outro again is the Patreon community. Um, this is an amazing community. We have over 150 people as part of it. And it's just we couldn't thank you all enough for being part of the group. It's just such a supportive and collaborative environment. Um, we have a Q&A coming up at the end of March, March 24th. And then we have the women's and men's group calls on March, the women's call on March 3rd and the men's group call on March 23rd. And there will be more calls in April. So if this piques your interest at all, we'd love to have you join us. Um, you can go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon button. And I just want to say one other thing about the STD testing. Yes. Using those links actually supports the show financially. We we get Really an, good call to say that. Yeah, we get an affiliate sort of kickback from it. But we, again, anything that we mentioned on the show, we use or love ourselves. And so this is no exception. Um, truly is the best way to get tested as far as we're concerned. Yes. So thank you in advance for using those links, for supporting the show, and for just being an amazing human. We're, yeah. we're assuming. We're assuming. All of, all of our listeners are amazing. Especially if you're this far into the outro. Yeah, you've made it a long way. <laughs> you, get an, you, get a, you get a cookie. Next week, we have a beautiful interview with Pearl. So stay tuned for that normal Wednesday episode. And I think that's it. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.